Thanks a lot to the money with Team Pack on your radio tomorrow evening at 6. I'm Brad Brown with you. Got seven lots to get through tonight. We'll be chatting tennis, netball, rugby, and a whole lot more. So some football news coming up later on in the show. We start uh, with news making headlines in football. Bitvest Vitz continue to bolster their arsenal. The students confirmed today that they've signed former under-18 Portuguese international striker Joachim Lupeta. Vitz coach Gavin Hunt told SABC Sport that the youngster is quite special. Well, he played for Porto. He was a junior there, and he's been all over. He's 21, which is what I wanted. I wanted a young striker, you know. And uh, so, yeah, we'll see how he goes. It's going to be interesting to see. Meanwhile, Marisburg United are confident that they'll secure the services of Bafana Bafana centre-back Kwanda Mungunyama from Amalady Sundowns this week. United's Quinton Jetu explains that the ball is now in Sundowns' court. Yeah, we've made an offer to Sundowns, and obviously we're waiting for them to come back to us. They seem to be... Saying that they'll finalise their squad by this week So hopefully by the end of the week We know exactly where we stand with them Otherwise they're not telling you down No, not yet, not yet they, 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 There is a possibility But it's obviously resting with them As they the mother club as such Chetu didn't disclose the amount of the offer But he did confirm that it would be the club's biggest ever signing And they hoped the offer would be successful yeah, we obviously want him, that's why we made the offer. It's a big offer for a club like ours, uh, of our size, but uh, we value him quite quite highly and obviously hope, hopefully we can get him. There's some PSL action to look forward to this evening. Orlando Pirates open their campaign at the Peter Macabre Stadium against Supersport United. Kick off in that one 28 minutes from now at 7 o'clock. Staying with news out of the PSL, if media reports are to be believed, Camaldina Braw has been handed a six-month ban by the Premier Soccer League Disciplinary Committee after he was found guilty of signing two contracts. Kaiser Chiefs unveiled the Togolese strike as their play on the 23rd of June. However, it has emerged that Braw had previously signed a pre-contract with Bloemfontein Celtic. On to rugby now and the issue of transformation, or lack thereof, is once again firmly in the spotlight following a dismal performance by the Springboks in Durban on Saturday. In a statement released today, Kusatu has condemned what it calls racist choices of SA rugby. In the statement, Kusatu slammed the lack of transformation in SA rugby, suggesting that black players would have been excluded to make place for Springbok coach Heineke Meyer's white favourites. The team that lost to Argentina only had two black South Africans in the starting 15. On to cycling news, and it has been confirmed that two-time Tour de France champion Chris Froome will attempt to become only the 10th cyclist to win two Grand Tours uh, in one year when he takes on the Vuelta a España later on this month. Last month, Froome became the first Briton to win two Tour de France titles. Coming up next here on SAFM Sports Wrap, we will chat some netball. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, the Spa Proteas were in action once again today as part of the 2015 Netball World Cup, and it was a fantastic performance uh, against the Welsh. Michael Flismus is keeping an eye on the action. He is there, and he filed this report. The Spa Proteas kicked off the qualification round of the Netball World Cup with a 68-40 victory over Wales at the Sydney Olympic Park today. But it took the team two quarters to really find their form. They ended the half 31-21 ahead, and then produced one of their best quarters at this World Cup. 
World Cup, winning the third quarter 24-8 for an overall lead of 55-29. And it was a few hard words at half-time from coach Norma Plummer that seemed to spur them into action. I thought we were a little bit uh, flat, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we're at the business end of the whole carnival now, which I told them, and I, you know, I think it's going to have to be a step up. So I was a little bit disappointed, actually, in the first half. And, but I think when we made those couple of changes, we got a bit of life back in, in the movement on court, and so was, that made it a lot better for us. The Spark Proteas face world number one Australia in their next match tomorrow. Michael Flissmas in Sydney. Spot Protea's captain Marika Holzhausen was uh, obviously delighted as well and Michael Flissmas caught up with her following today's victory. Good win for the girls. I think we started off a bit slow, leading them into the game numerous times when we had them a few, um, a few goals behind. So I just need to look at that when we're ahead to just keep the scoreboard ticking. Mm, the, the first half certainly a little bit flat, but as you say, that third quarter looked a different team up. Yes, definitely. I think um, we st- maybe expected um, it to be an easier game that it w- than what it was um, in those first two quarters, but um, a big up to the goals for just lifting the intensity and just pulling off a great score. Are you happy with the team, where it's at at the moment, the focus and how you're progressing through these rounds? Definitely happy with, um, with where the team is at the moment. I think um, every game we've improved, um, every time we get on court in training or in, in a match, we're really just implementing what we've been, been taught and the passages of play that are that sticks to our game plan is just getting bigger and bigger, so hopefully we'll pull over 60-minute performance. Well, the skipper was obviously delighted with that victory. Norma Plummer, the new Spa Proteas coach, has been doing lots of work with the team behind the scenes, and it seems to be paying dividends. Although they did start a bit slowly today, Adele Nimont uh, spoke about the coach's words to them and also how their warm-up today impacted their performance. I think Norma gave us a few instructions going into the attack and, and into the game, and um, we needed to... to listen to that and apply it on court I don't think she was happy with the first quarter but we built momentum towards the second and the third so I think we ended it well I didn't think we have a, we had a great um, dynamic warm up but um, we, we, like I said we built the momentum going into the second and the third quarter, um, it is day six of the, of the games or the World, five, the World Cup so I mean lethargy will set in but um, ladies are looking sharp and maybe tomorrow because we're playing Australia we'll just need our Still a lot to play for at this Nepal World Cup. Day 6 tomorrow and the Spot Proteas take on world number 1 Australia and tournament favourites. It's going to be a tough, tough match, but uh, the team looking forward to it. As Aaron Berger says, they need to step up their performance if they want to make it onto the big stage. I think with the new pool coming through, um, it's going to be hard every match. So um, I'm glad that we did make the step up and I think it was a good match. We want to compete against the better teams. We need to step up and this is where it all starts. For Spark Proteas vice-captain Bongam Somi, she's uh, pretty happy that things are coming together quite nicely on the court. She said they're working hard behind the scenes and it's starting to bear fruit. The game today wasn't... Um Easy. Obviously, we expected them to come hard on us, especially after the game they played yesterday. So I think they had confidence. But again, um, it was more about um, trying to put the tactics together, whatever we've been training on. So with the team, we just had to um, stick to the game plan and just try and implement the things that will help us going forward. Big day to look forward to tomorrow at the Netball World Cup. The action gets underway when Trinidad and Tobago take on Singapore. Scotland up against Sri Lanka. Samoa face Zambia. England come up against Wales. That should be a cracking match. And then Malawi take on New Zealand. And the final game of the day. World number ones. Number one seeds up against the Spa Pro Tears. SAFM Sports Wrap. 
Time to take a look at some tennis here on SAFM. Before we do that, though, just uh, looking back at the pro tiers, we'll have live crossings throughout the day uh, with uh, from the World Cup of the Spot Pro Tiers in action tomorrow. So listen out for that up against Australia. Off to Montreal we go now. Montreal Masters taking place this week. And we join now by Catherine Whitaker. Catherine, welcome back onto SAFM Sports Wrap. Nice to catch up and nice to chat tennis once again. Uh, you mentioned to me a little bit earlier on that uh, weather could intervene today. How are things looking in Montreal at the moment? Hi, Brad. Well, I'm afraid things are still looking pretty miserable in Montreal today. It's scarcely believable because actually yesterday uh, the weather was absolutely glorious. We had a glorious day's tennis right up until the evening session when uh, Songa, Joel with Songa, the defending champion, walked on court against Borna Church. They got a few games played but then uh, were rained off and uh, play was eventually called off about half an hour later for the night. And it's looking unlikely that they're going to be taken to the court any time soon because, as I say, the scene here is still pretty miserable. And if the forecast is to believe, it looks like it might stay that way for a while yet. Not good news at all. But looking at uh, the order of play, a couple of interesting uh, matchups, and uh, one involving South Africa's Kevin Anderson, who's who's 12th seed for the tournament. Uh, he's, he's had a pretty good run of it. Uh, and so, if they do get underway, which way do you see that one going? Absolutely. It'd be a terrible shame if we don't get much play today because that order of play is just so strong. Kevin Anderson uh, is coming into this uh, hard court season. He's number 12 seed here. He's at a career high ranking. He's hovering around that top 10 mark, which I know he desperately, that's uh, completely his target for, for his career and, and his season to break into that top 10. I think it's a good matchup for him against Lucas Russell, actually. Another uh, big hitter, very fiery is Kevin can be uh, consistent in that match. That's uh, that's the sort of play that Lucas Russell doesn't really like. Lucas Russell can uh, very easily beat himself. He's very much uh, all-or-nothing player. So if Kevin can sort of stay focused uh, and stay consistent, he should come through that one. Should be fantastic. But uh, before that, and scheduled to take place uh, a couple of hours before that Kevin Anderson match, Grigor Dimitrov uh, will be in action as well. And uh, he's 14th seed. He's also had a bit of an up-and-down season. Uh, you'll be hoping to improve on, on the hard course of Montreal. Yeah, more than hoping. I would say that Grigor Dimitrov will be actually desperate to prove something on this hard court season. Uh, he's coming here having stood up both from his girlfriend, Maria Sharapova, and from his coach, Roger Rashid. He's taking on Alexander Dorgopolov today, who actually qualified for the tournaments. And uh, and uh, qualifiers are notoriously difficult to play in the early rounds because they've already had a lot of time to adjust to the conditions and play themselves into form. So that's a real banana skin for Grigor Dimitrov. And, uh, but these are the sort of matches he needs to be winning if he's to to prove himself and really come good on that talent, which at the moment he's, uh, he's just not. Obviously, he had a very... Very difficult grass court and clay court season, so he's looking for success here in Cincinnati next week and certainly at the US Open at the end of the month. As far as the ladies draw, what, what can we look forward to if play does get underway, Catherine? Well, the ladies is over in Toronto just at the moment. Of course, the uh, the events uh, alternate each year. The women's take place in Toronto one year and then in Montreal the next year. Great order of play over there as well. I do understand they've got play, so I won't be too envious of uh, the weather they've got over in uh, Toronto. They've got Yelena Yankovic up against uh, Caroline Garcia of France, up-and-coming uh, player Garcia. They're on court just at the moment, just starting then. It's uh, Victoria Azarenko against another rising star, Elena Svitolina, and then the big one, Serena Williams, up against Flavia Panetta. And uh, their night session features the uh, the golden girl of Canada, Jeannie Bouchard, and she's in uh, very much similar shoes 
see Grigor Dimitrov with a lot to prove just at the moment after a, a horrible year so far. Well, let's hope things do get underway with the men in Montreal, but the ladies, as Catherine said, said underway right now as well. Catherine Whitaker, thank you so much for joining us this evening on SAFM Sports Wrap. Much appreciated. We'll have all those results for you tomorrow morning on AM Live. We'll chat some rugby next. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM Sports Wrap and it was uh, great to see the world's oldest domestic rugby competition back this weekend, the 2015 Curry Cup getting uh, underway and there was uh, some great performances, one or two underpar performances, uh, particularly I think uh, from the Sharks, they'll be very disappointed with their opening clash, but uh, a team who I think will be over the moon will be the Blue Bulls, they absolutely thumped the Free State Cheetahs and we've got uh, their coach, Nolis Maria, on the, the show tonight. Nolis, welcome on to SAFM. SAFM Sports Rep, great start to the season. You must be pretty chuffed. Uh, thank you very much. Yes, uh, it was a good result for us away from home. A uh, bit unexpected, but uh, I think it was still a good result for us. And as you talk about unexpected, the Cheetahs traditionally are, are a pretty good Curry Cup side. When they, when they step up to, to Super Rugby, they do struggle a bit, but uh, they, they have been a, a very strong side uh, over the years in, in Curry Cup Rugby. Playing at home, I'm sure you're expecting a much, uh, a much tougher task. Yeah, look at the end of the day, I think um, playing in front of 33,000 people, there was, um, you know, big expectations from the Cheetah side. I think our guys came out a bit of an underdogs and we played very good rugby. Now, just looking at that uh, squad, you've, you've uh, brought in a whole bunch of youngsters. Uh, are you pretty happy with the makeup, the, the blend of youth and experience that you've got there at the moment? Yes, well, we played 15 uh, guys who didn't play in the, uh, in the Super Rugby match against the Cheetahs. Nine debutants. Uh, I think the guys played well. I think the seniors been in the goal with the juniors. Gave them a bit of, you know, uh, sit, uh, you know, ease in the, into the game. And uh, a lot of the juniors could uh, talk to the seniors, you know, what do you expect from the first game. And the seniors helped a lot with that. And I think it worked well as far yeah, I mean, there's, it's often when, when things change in a union, there are big changes, particularly from a, a, a coaching perspective. There's often it's difficult for the players to really express themselves on the field, but it, it's been a, I don't want to say smooth transition, but uh, on the looks of it in the field, things are things are in, in good shape at the Bulls after all the changes. Look, if you had to look at the first two warm-up games, it wasn't that easy <laughs> transition. Uh, we were worried about, uh, you know, bringing a new game plan, the guys not sticking to it, going to old habits, and we just said to them, don't worry about the result, you know, just try the new things that we try to implement, the result will come by itself, and, you know, we're much better than we expected. Well, especially, I mean, you, you talk about uh, the two warm-up games are great. As far as the Super Rugby campaign, from, from a Bulls perspective, it would have been a very disappointing season from Super Rugby. So so it must be very satisfying coming into the Curry Cup and, and, and putting in a performance first up to, to just set the tone for the tournament, uh, in essence, uh, this past weekend. Yeah, no, look, I mean, obviously Super Rugby wanted to do much better. Uh, we tried the last four weeks, changing a lot of things on our side. And playing our first match away, you know, giving the tickets away uh, for free at the Cheetah Stadium. And uh, we were on there, you know, a lot of people gathered us for the first game and uh, the youngsters came out and played very well. So I think that... Uh, uh, there will be a much different look, outlook on us in the next few games. No, just looking, looking uh, sort of post this past weekend's match, as far as the squad goes, uh, any, any injury concerns out of out of this weekend that you you worried about? No, we're only going to make basically one or two changes. I'm just checking the, if uh, Mox has got a game. Otherwise, we will have been like a guy like Diane van der Westhoven. He's also been waiting his chance on the prop side. 
I think most of the guys could be ready or make the final team selection tomorrow morning. Now, just looking looking at uh, first weekend, it's, it's often it's difficult to 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 really know what's going to happen in the season. And there were a couple of good performances. I think uh, Province put in a, a good performance. So did the Lions. The, the Sharks were, were below par. They uh, Gary Gold and his team decided uh, they weren't going to play the the, the two the two warm up games. Uh, an interesting call. I, I mean, I understand his, his his rationale behind it, saying that it's a long season and he didn't want to risk players. But do you think that's a, a brave call? And, and looking the way they played this weekend, they were pretty rusty. Yeah, I think that every coach got his own opinion how to approach the season. I think the Pumas came out well. They played very hard. I knew they were going to come up from the line. They're going to be running hard at you. So it was also always going to be a difficult uh, task to play the Pumas in um, Mobella Stadium. And um, they were up for the task. I mean, they won the Vodacom. They're a good side. So when you go down there, you know that you're going to be playing for 80 minutes. Greg, was this coming weekend, uh, we saw what, I don't want to call them minnows, but teams like the Pumas and, and Griquas did last season. You, 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 can't, you can't underestimate a team like Griquas. They're, they're going to be a tough challenge. Yeah, look, I think the Griquas got some players coming back, maybe Francois Bremer, Milton Lobert. So I think they're going to be a very tough side to play with. Um, I think they are very physical. They keep the ball a long time. Uh, if you look at our game, we maybe kick the game uh, kick 28 times. They only kick 14 times. They love to keep the ball. Carl Griff's a great ball carrier for them. They're a very good side, and they can beat any side on a day. Now, listen, I have to ask this. Uh, big, big in the news today was obviously uh, the, the Springbok rugby and, and, and what's happening there. And, and there's been a lot of talk about transformation in SA rugby, and, and particularly at, at Bok level. Are, are you satisfied, you personally, with, with what's happening as far as transformation in, in the sport of rugby? Are we in a healthy space? I mean, uh, Kusatu's statement today saying only two black players in the box starting 15 from, from Saturday is just not good enough. It obviously doesn't happen at, at national level. It, it needs to filter up basically from the provinces and then to the Super Rugby franchises. Are, are the provinces and, and unions doing enough to, to transform the sport? Look, I'm looking at the Blue Bulls. I, I can't speak for the Springbok Rack because I'm not involved there. So I wouldn't like to make a statement on that. But if you look at our players, I mean, we've got guys like Marvin Williams waiting his chance off. Wadi Kalan, we've got Jumbo Alinga, Travis Ismail. We've got Mox Mox. We've got Diane from the West. And guys coming through to our union that's first-choice players, and uh, they're playing very good rugby at the moment. So uh, as far as the Springbok rugby, I can, can't give my opinion because I'm not involved with that management. But on the Bruble side, there's a lot of players coming through that. If you look at Marvin, really, how good he was this weekend disrupting the lineups from the Cheetahs. I mean, he's only 21. He played for me in the last year in the 21 final. He's a brilliant rugby player. And the guys are coming through, and so I wouldn't like to give an opinion around Springbok rugby. Yeah, it's an, it's an issue. And Rosemary, thank you very much for that. Uh, much appreciated. Best of luck for the, the final few days of prep uh, ahead of the Greek Wars Clash. We look forward to chatting again soon here on SAFM Sports Trap. Thank you very much for the opportunity and have a nice evening. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM Sports Wrap and Chad Ho, the open water marathon swimmer, is back in South Africa from the 16th FINA World Championships in Kazan, Russia. He was part of the South African aquatics team that brought home five medals. Ho claimed SA's first gold in the five-kilometer open water race, followed by Leclerc with two medals, a gold in the 100-meter butterfly, as well as a silver in the 200-meter fly. Cameron Funderburg added another silver in 50 meter breaststroke Chad Ho was obviously pleased with his achievement to win a gold medal is, is always a great achievement but to do it on the on the big stage at the world championships to win the first medal for South Africa I mean it's, it's always a great honour 
and uh, it just shows that uh, all our hard work uh, that we've put in is, is finally paying off. Ho achieved his feat with a time of 55 minutes 17.60 seconds, and that uh, time he was very, very happy about. Um, it's, it's very hard to say uh, if my time was like, good or if it was bad, especially in open water, as the time can always change. I mean, we can always swim faster and we can always swim slower. So uh, on the day, I was very happy with the time and, uh, and how I started my race. Um, but with open water, the time can always change. Ho also praised the high standards of the 16th edition of the FINA World Championships, saying it was much tougher to win a medal at these games. Yeah, the standard of, of the FINA World Champs has, has definitely improved. Um, there's a lot more young talent coming through the ranks, and uh, everyone's hungry and everyone wants to do well, and it's it definitely um, becoming a lot tougher to, to swim at the, at the World Champs. Ho was also full of praise for his compatriots, Chad Leclerc and Cameron Funneberg, for bringing home more medals. Leclerc and Funneberg are currently still in Russia competing in the first leg of the FINA World Cup. To, to come back with, with five medals is, is also a great uh, achievement for South Africa. I mean, it just shows that uh, swimming can uh, produce... Uh, top athletes and bring uh, back medals, and uh, I mean they they did they carried on the legacy of of winning medals in the pool, and uh, I think uh, it's a great uh, thing for South Africans uh, and sports. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM South Africa's news and information leader. Don't forget you can be in touch if you'd like three four seven zero one, and SMSs are charged at two rand. On to some football now. Confederation of African Football Authorities have declined to endorse Liberian Football Association President Musa Billeti's quest to contest for the vacant FIFA presidency. Billeti would need five CAF associations to endorse him before he could be eligible to stand for the FIFA presidency. UEFA President Michel Platini has already declared his candidacy for the FIFA post, but again, CAF has been silent. African soccer correspondent Ponga Liwewe says Platini must work on his African relations if he is to assume the world football's top job. Liwewe reveals that FIFA's two previous presidents have had African support, but uh, Liwewe explains. This has a mandate to, to bring change, and you have to look at the fact that uh, UEFA is the most successful of all the confederations, and that Platini is the head of that change. I feel that uh, in terms of restructuring FIFA, in terms of bringing some sanity to the operations of the organization, he has 100% the capabilities. The question marks will come, however, when it comes to, to the political side of things, because obviously... When you look at the last two presidencies of Sepp Blatter and the presidency of Yawa Havelange before him, uh, Africa played a prominent role in ensuring that both candidates got into office. So firstly, you have to look at the fact that, yes, Platini and Africa may, may not have had the best of relations to date, but if he is to become president, it's, uh, it's a fact that he will have to have African support to, to some extent, even if he doesn't take the whole of Africa. So it will be important for him to, to work on his African relations to ensure that Africa walks away from uh, the elections with at least the strength to be able to strengthen their game, uh, the strength to be able to get financial support from FIFA where it is lacking. So you have to, you have to look at, at, at both aspects. Yes, Platini has leadership ability, but secondly, he will need to be a politician in order to ensure that he comes into office. And 
that is an aspect where he will have to work on his relations with Africa. Meanwhile, Billity came out on his own to announce his candidature for the FIFA presidency without consulting his counterpart in CAF, and insiders insist that uh, that has ruled him out, hence CAF's insistence not to endorse him. You know the way CAF operates, unless it is somebody who CAF wants unless it is somebody who has the full backing of the executive committee, that candidate will never have the backing of their, of their organization. And look at the fact that uh, Musability came out on his own without uh, having spoken to any of the powers that be at CAP and, and made his announcement. That automatically, when you look at the way CAP operates, ruled him out because they will feel that he has undermined them by not going through them. They will feel that he has undermined them by taking a position on his own without consultation with him, and 100% they would never, ever back such a candidate. Successive FIFA presidents have all been Secretary General before assuming FIFA's top job, and this points to the fact that perhaps current Secretary General Jerome Falk could throw his name into the hat for the job in the coming months. You can never rule him out, because obviously he is somebody who is familiar with uh, the confederations and the national associations, the one thing working against him is the fact that he represents the, the old order, and that is the, the regime under Sir Blatter, because he was uh, effectively the chief executive uh, of FIFA under Blatter's reign and was therefore party to a lot of the decisions that people are now questioning. So that is one thing that works against him. But you have to look at the fact that the, the, the so-called football family, as they like to call themselves, always like to rally together and make decisions um, irrespective of what the outside think. And if they continue to take that position, then Valk is in a strong position. But if the winds of change that have been blowing across foot, the football world uh, have had an influence and they feel that they need to come with a blank sheet with totally new people to change their image, to change their direction, to follow what uh, the world has been asking for, the, sp the sponsors are asking for, what the football fans are asking for, then they will have to take a different direction. So it all depends in the next couple of months how the thinking goes within those 204 national associations who will be making the decision, whether they want to look for change or whether they want to continue with uh, what they are comfortable with. And that would obviously be the case under Jerome Valk, although they would make some cosmetic changes, but it would be still more of the same. Asked to comment about Tokyo Sehuale's intent to stand for the FIFA presidency and as to whether he's got what it takes to lead FIFA, this is what Liwewe had to say. Yes, again, I think it's a question of, of how he is perceived by the, the members of FIFA. He, he, for example, has never been head of a national association. Yes, he has served on FIFA committees. He was a member of the uh, South Africa 2010 organizing committee. But uh, he hasn't really been a person who has led a national association. And sometimes those are the factors. Uh, and he hasn't really served as a member of CAF executive. Those are some of the factors in, in the decision-making uh, that may work against him. In terms of capability, he's shown himself to be a leader by, by being capable of managing uh, an organization, a, a multi-million dollar organization. He's shown himself also on the political front under the ANC to be an astute leader. So in terms of uh, individual qualities, he does have the qualities, but whether he'll be able to play the football political game, which is a little bit different from, from real politics, that, that could be the determining factor. He needs to go out and convince uh, people that he, he, he can bring the change that they're asking for, but also make the current FIFA members comfortable that uh, he won't sideline them or he won't uh, uh, completely push them aside in his quest to make changes. SAFM Sports Wrap.
That's it, pretty much, for SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Before I go, though, I can tell you that Cameron Funneberg uh, picked up the 50-metre breaststroke uh, on day one of the FINA World Cup in Moscow, Russia. Also good news for Chad Leclerc. He won the 100-metre freestyle. Uh, his time, 48.16, also on day one in Moscow. And uh, looking ahead to the USPGA Championship this weekend, Rory McIlroy confirmed today that he will defend his title this week. He said that his ankle is 100% ready to go, which is good news for the Northern Irishman. Obviously, that major issue, playing a bit of uh, backyard football, and he was unable to defend his uh, Open Championship title, but he will be back for the PGA. So looking forward to that as well. We're back again tomorrow on PM Live, I am, and then uh, SAFM Sports Wrap tomorrow evening as well. Talk shop coming up in just a moment. Don't forget you can be in touch. Find us on social media, SAFM Sports Wrap. We'll have more sport for you tomorrow morning with Janet Witten on AM Live. Right now, though, it is 7 o'clock and time for your news. You've been listening to a podcast of SAFM Sports Wrap. Catch it live every Tuesday, Wednesday and Friday evening from 6.30 to 7. Only on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader.